happy 4th of July week as we're preparing for our country, recognizing our freedom. Um, one of the things I just want to start off this week, if you don't mind, stand to your feet with me and let's acknowledge our Pledge of Allegiance. And we have the flag on the screen here in lieu of having an actual flag here, but it, I believe it counts. So if you will, just join me in saying the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. You may be seated. Thank you so much for joining me in that. And I I think it's important that we recognize and acknowledge the things of our past and the things that have got us to where we're at. In fact, uh, this past week we've had a lot of... uh, stuff in the media, if you're following any of it, where the um, First Baptist Church of Dallas had the big billboard up there, and the message last week leading up to this week was talking about that we are an American, America is a Christian nation, where they laid out the whole, for, how our country was formed and founded, and so much um, criticism and controversy was arisen out of it that people, the mayor of Dallas called out against them that they were being racist and you know, and all this stuff. It's just crazy and made them take the billboard down. And then uh, another billboard company came in and says, hey, we're, we're not going to um, buckle underneath this. And they put up 22 other billboards all over town for this whole thing. But I want to tell you that our first Chief Justice of the Supreme Court said this, and this is kind of where we get some of our basis, so I want you to understand that, and we have the quote for you on the screen. He said, Providence has given our people the choice of their rulers, and it is the duty as well as the privilege and interest of a Christian nation to select and to prefer Christians for their rulers. This was by John Jay Our first chief justice, he lived from 1745 to 1829, our first chief chief justice of the Supreme Court, and he actually preceded George Washington in having a seat in government as as our country. So we see from the very beginning that our nation was founded on Judeo-Christian beliefs and and, um, the foundation. And it's crazy because, you know, I've guess I kind of missed some of the stuff of civics class or history class because I just put a lot of these things together and just like I got them out of order and this week as I've been studying this and listening to it uh, kind of got some stuff realigned that we're going to look at here but a couple of stories I want to read to you during World War II a young soldier named David Webster of the easy company of the 101st Airborne wrote his mother stop worrying about me I joined the parachutists to fight, and I intend to fight. If necessary, I shall die fighting. But don't worry about this, because no war can be won without young men dying. Those things which are precious are saved only by sacrifice. And this young man, so further advanced in his understanding than many of us, those things he wrote, which are precious, are saved only by sacrifice. Another, we have a picture of a tank that was used in this conflict. Um, They're going to put up while I'm reading this. On the night of September the 8th, 1944, the 23rd suffered heavy casualties attempting to cross the Moselle River. McBride arrived in a group of 60 replacements for the A Company 
on September the 13th. New to combat, McBride's mind raced with thoughts about what was to come. Thoughts he later wrote down in his memoirs, which he entitled Grinding Through. This is what he said. The question in all of our minds was, how will I be able to stand it? Will I do as well as these fellows seem to have done? So the mindset that they were all in is they're, they're in these situations and got these things that they're facing and it's a difficult time for them was how am I going to be able to weather this? And will I do as well as the others who've gone before us? It's a good question to ask today. Continuing on, McBride received his baptism by fire in battle near Metz, France as the 7th Armored Division continued their drive towards Germany. He wrote about the hazards of the battlefield. Artillery and mortar fire were the greatest fears of the infantry. With such things as tanks and mines, somewhat lesser evils, and with small arms fire, definitely last. Of course, it was uncomfortable to be pinned down by a machine gun, but what hit you was smaller, and that was some consolation. Isn't that hilarious? I mean, this, you know, this machine gun fire hitting you is, you know, some consolation. I just thought that was pretty funny. It seemed as though each shell coming over was the one that was going to come right on and right on into your own two-by-six-foot hole to keep you company. That great fear was overcome in battle, but in combat, but after a time you learned to judge the approaching shells by the pitch of their screams, soon able to predict whether it go over or short, right or left of your, of your position. That gave you some comfort until the next shell approached. Man, the, the people that fought in the world wars in front of us have really gone through a lot. It's good for us to remember on these days what they went through, and, and particularly our founding fathers. And, and as I was thinking about all this thing, I guess in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, they did the Declaration of Independence, and they, you know, they walked into the next room, and they wrote the Constitution, and they did this stuff. But I, I want to recount some of that with you, that they were in England, and they suffered the oppression of a government that wasn't allowing them to worship God as they wanted to, as they felt led to worship. So they got so frustrated with it that they got on ships, and they sailed to a place that they were trying to find. And many people, many people died on those ships coming over here. You may recall that story. And once it got here, they, they showed up and there's just nothing. And I mean, when I go camping, I don't like it. Or if I go out of town and I sleep in a hotel, it's a different bed. I, you know, it takes me several days and I'm uncomfortable. They had nothing. They landed here and they had to build the life that they had. And as they went through these struggles, Mother England decides to come over here and continue to control things and say, hey, you're not going to get away without taxing and, and all this stuff. And it, it became more and more oppressive till one day they'd had enough and said, no, we're going to say today is our declaration of independence. And we saw that in the bumper video in the beginning. And, and, and then that's, they knew signing that, now imagine... They're over here with hardly anything. You know, many of them even died during the weather of you know, everything that was here without having adequate shelter and everything. And, and they know that just signing this declaration you know, to England, who's powerful, it, th- that's a really bad way that they could learn. They, they realized that they could um, lose their lives. And many did. But they're willing to step out there. <laughs> 
for that cause. They actually then fought the Revolutionary War, and at the end of the Revolutionary War, when they won is when they sat down and gathered a lot of them in a room and wrote our Constitution. See, I missed that somehow. Maybe that's the problem we have when we teach kids this stuff when we're young. We're not really connecting all the dots, and, and it was amazing to me this many years later that I recognized all of this. They, they went in there, but they didn't just sit down and say, hey, let's just figure this out for today. Let's make it so we last for a year or something. But they actually started thinking the foresight of today. Now, there's a lot of debate with the articles, you know, and the amendments and the First Amendment, the Second Amendment. Were, were they picturing the Internet when they wrote the First Amendment? Were they picturing all these different kinds of um, weapons that we have today when they wrote the Second Amendment? And so on and so forth. And of course they weren't. They had no way to. They couldn't. But they looked beyond where they were at to the foreseeable future. And they prayed and they asked God to help them. They used the Bible as their foundation and helped them to create this new country. See, they weren't just thinking about that moment. They were visualizing a greater nation. But they also realized that they were better together. Our, our country would likely have faced great difficulty if it was based on just one man's view, no matter how great that one man was. But it, I've heard stories that when they're writing the Constitution and the ones that are in there, that they were bickering back and forth and arguing and having all this contest back, but that they thought it would never actually get ratified, that they would never come to the agreement. And it's a miracle that it did, but it's such foresight that they had. It's the same thing I did when I started my business years ago. I, I had one employee, and, but every time I had that one employee to ask me a question, well, can I have this day off or can I do this? I didn't just think of that one employee and say, well, you know, because you're special, I'll let you do this or that. No, I thought about every employee, what I would do for everyone. And, and that's kind of what they did the same way when they founded our country. It's the same thing we're doing with our church. We realize we're starting off small and we're not, you know, belittling small beginnings. But we're looking at when we have many, many people here, when there's hundreds and it turns into thousands, we have multiple services and, and all this stuff and how we're going to do We're looking at all this stuff. Well, that's the same thing our founders did when they created our country. But see, in the last part of that bumper video is the same thing. But God, on a grander scale, did the same thing. He didn't say, hey, you over there, you're really cute, and you're, you're reading your Bible, and you're doing all this stuff, so I'm going to make a special exception for you. But you over here, you know, you're, you turn your back on me. You don't pray. You don't say nothing to me. And, you know, you take my name in vain, and you do all this stuff, so, you know, you're on your own. No, he made the ultimate provision for who? So ever. For anyone. Think about a baby when it was born. My, my nephew just had a baby recently, and now the pictures are on Facebook, and it's so wonderful seeing. I have a friend who had a baby, and so more and more pictures everywhere on my Facebook feed. There's just babies everywhere, and one posted the baby's first laugh, and it's just the most amazing thing. But think about every baby there is. They're just so sweet and so innocent, and yet every single one will end up with regrets. They'll end up with things in their life they wish they could change. We all were that baby. 
And we all now face things. We go, oh, I wish I could change that. I wish I could rewrite that. You see, we all have areas of freedom. So as we're celebrating our country's freedom, I want us to look at the freedom that God has given to us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But can I show you what jumped out to me? Where the Spirit is, there's freedom. Some people say, why do I need to come to church? You know, I could just worship God by myself. You know, I'll just read my Bible, I'll pray, and I'm fine. But, you know, we need freedom in our lives. And we need to go where the Spirit of God is. And yes, you can have the Spirit of God in your house. But there's something about coming in to the sanctuary. There's something about coming to the altar. Something about coming to this room where the Spirit is. I'm telling you, I'm praying all the time that what you are getting when you're coming in there isn't me. That you're not getting the songs that we're singing. You're not even getting greeted by the nicest person in the whole church. But what you're getting is the Spirit of the Lord. And there is freedom. Psalms 119 verse 45 says, I walk about in freedom, for I have sought out your precepts. David's saying, I'm walking in freedom because I have sought out your precepts. It's not just something that just falls on you. It's something you have to work at. We have to develop a habit of reading the one-year Bible, doing the first 15, coming to um, 21 days of prayer, coming to the prayer on Saturday mornings. I've sought out your precepts. Jesus said in Luke 4.18, he's quoting what Isaiah prophesied about him. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom. Jesus says, there is freedom inside of me. That's why I came. We just celebrated communion and, you know, commemorated that, you know, on the first Sunday. And we talked about the bread and we talked about the cup. And it's because of what he did. That's what he came for, for freedom. But what does it require of me? Galatians 5 says, It was for freedom that Christ set us free. But as I was reading this, I saw freedom and free, and I looked it up, and those are two different words in the Greek. They're related, but they're two different words. Freedom literally means I'm not a slave or I'm no longer under restraint. There's nothing holding me back. There's not something that's just trying to constantly pull me down. Free means to be free or to be exempt. Think about tests that you took in school. Wouldn't you like to be exempt from those things? Wouldn't you like to say, I don't have to do that. Oh my gosh. Everybody else, they're going to have to do that. But I'm exempt. Think about that. It was for freedom. So you're no longer a slave. You're no longer under strain. There's nothing pulling you down. That Christ set you to be exempt. To be free. Therefore, keep standing firm. And don't be subject again to the yoke of slavery. In the NLT, it says, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure you stay free. I love that. I love the imagery and the the wordsmithing of that. Christ has truly set us free. Stay free. Means we can get off that path 
we can get back into bondage. We can get into a place of needing freedom again. Acts 13, verse 38. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Jesus says, I've come to give freedom. It's proclaimed. The forgiveness of sins. Freedom through there. Verse 39. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin. Everyone who believes. That whosoever, that anyone, whoever would come. But you know, I'm so often talking to people and talking about the church, inviting them to, to know God and, and come visit us and you know all that stuff. And they're like, oh, if I show up there, the, the, the water's going to boil, the lightning bolts are going to come through the ceiling and you know all this stuff. No, 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 no. See, Everyone who believes is set free from every sin. People say, you don't know the sins I've done. You know, people will judge me and say that I've done those things that I can't do. And, and you know, uh, there's no hope for me and I can't do it. No, no, no. Every sin. There's not anything. If you believe in Christ, you can be set free from every sin. But can I tell you, sometimes... We have two different sides of this coin. There's definitely the day that you say, God, today's my day. Today's the day I'm going to start following you. Similar day of, I got off that path that you're talking about, God. I'm coming back today. Today's my day. There's that side of it. But then there's also that side of it where there's that sin that it says it so easily besets me, it so easily trips me up. And he says, every sin you can be set free from. Every sin. So I'm asking you this morning, where do you find yourself today? See, as we shift our focus as a nation to freedom this week, it was for freedom that Christ did the sacrifice for you. It was for freedom That he set you free to not have these things pulling you down. Please bow your heads without anyone looking around. And ask you the $20 million question. Are you free? Or does sin still have a hold on you? As I said, that's two-sided. Have you made that commitment to follow Christ? Or have you fallen, stumbled, and and you, you find yourself far from God this morning and you need to come back? What about the other side of that coin? Is there still those things that are just pulling you down that you haven't really received your freedom? I love the song that we sang this morning. All the walls I thought would have been falling down but as many times as I walked around them. And the imagery I have of that is I've been praying and praying and praying about this thing and it, I would have thought by now this would be solved. And so many people find themselves with situations in their life. Man, I've been trying to kick this habit. I've been trying to get away from this. I've been, I would have thought by now, but God, you've never left me. You're always with me. Have you received the freedom that Christ purchased for you? 
There's no better day to experience freedom. The freedom that was paid for, for you, than today. Let this freedom celebration have the ultimate meaning. Is today your day? If it is, I'm going to lead you in a prayer in just a moment. It's a private moment. This is between you and God. There's a public moment that'll be in your next steps. And we saw that last week with baptism, where you publicly declare that you've decided to follow God. But this moment right now is private. If that's you today, you just I want you to pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, thank you for paying for my sins so I don't have to. Today is my day. I invite you into my life and I ask you to forgive me. I come just as I am. I surrender it all to you and I choose to follow you. And the best way I know how, I'm going to live for you with all my heart. Today, I give you my life. Now, Father, I pray for everyone that prayed that prayer. For the first time, or maybe they've fallen off that path, and they're coming back today, and they're saying, I'm I'm back. I'm here. Lord, but I also pray for all of us that we're challenged by that Scripture that shows us that every sin we can be set free from. Everything that's missing the mark, everything that is trying to pull us down, it was for freedom that I don't walk through all this stuff. You did this so I don't have to experience this. God, I pray for all of us. It was for freedom that you paid the price for us to be set free. Lord, I pray you help us to recognize the things that where the Spirit of God is, there's freedom. God, we need to be where the Spirit is. We, we have to focus on being in the Spirit. We have to focus on being in your precepts, as we saw David. We have to follow the example of Jesus. And we'll find true freedom. Father, I give all this to you. In Jesus' name.